Well, good morning, everyone. Darren Saul here. It's episode 152 of Playing With Perspective, the suspended animation podcast. I have the fantastic Moen Varai here today. How are you, Moen? I'm very well. Thanks very much for having me, Darren. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you for coming on the show. And we're going to be talking pleasure. about something a little different today, but very, very interesting and relevant. The topic for today is a few minutes with the project management doctor. <laughs> so Moen is a chartered professional engineer and a registered professional engineer of Queensland. He has 30 years of experience in design, construction and project management of infrastructure projects. During his career, he has also been responsible for setting up an engineering office, rescuing struggling departments and putting problematic projects back on track. Now, as the principal consultant at Global Empowering Solutions, he supports consulting firms and contractors to position themselves for project success, avoid project failure and achieve higher levels of project profitability. So welcome to the show, Moin. Oh, thanks for having me, Darren. Thank you. Awesome. And I mean, obviously, we were chatting just before we went live, we were chatting a bit about how important human engineering is and, you know, the softer skills and, you know, the sub communication more so than even the technical stuff these days. But we're going to get into that a little bit later on. Um, but before we start, I'd love to learn, Moen, a little bit about your background. How did you end up in this field and why do you love what you do? Right. Okay. Well, as, as you mentioned, I, I have um, been in this industry for 30 years or just about, uh, and uh, I've seen many projects uh, go very well. Yeah. And I've also seen projects go pear-shaped, gone off the rail, you know, and uh, some of the main reasons for that is because, you know, um, engineers are typically not good at project management and uh, and sometimes you find that uh, um, designers who are fantastic at designing things whether it's a road or a bridge or a tunnel or a building they get promoted into project management roles without having proper project management training yeah. so they try to wing it they're trying to learn it on the job and as a result uh, firms struggle uh, whether it's financially or time-wise or budget or schedule, they, they struggle. And uh, basically, there's, there's far too much uh, unnecessary stress and pressure yep. in uh, engineering projects or construction projects purely because we are not good at uh, project management. And I thought, well, since I've got 30 years, I've seen it, I've worked on some really... Uh, interesting um, projects. I thought maybe I can help. So I set up my company, Global Empowering Solutions, to uh, help engineering firms thrive and, as you mentioned, secure high levels of project profitability. Oh, fantastic. And you still enjoy, you know, helping people and putting projects back on track and, you know, rescuing all those projects oh, that yeah, are slightly yeah, gone yeah. off the rails. Oh, yes, yes. That's the... Sort of, <laughs> That's the buzz, yes. That's that's the interesting bit about my work. I mean, I mean, write writing project manager procedures isn't exactly very interesting. It's, that's the boring part of the work. But yeah. I mean, once you've achieved it and you put a company back on track and they are sort of um, going from strength to strength, that's when you get you know job satisfaction. Awesome. That yes, we've done it. Awesome, awesome. I mean, and I've always been fascinated by the project management area because, you know. <clears throat> 
like a lot like a, at a high level you can say our oh, project management's all just common sense it's logical but i'm sure nowadays because everything's so technical and so intricate and so much more complicated you must have a very strong framework or software or methodology that you work by you can't just wing it and be logical anymore and be you know keep it simple is that would that be correct absolutely i mean you know you find that people tend to some people tend to say for example i've done this type of project in this way for the past i don't know two decades why do i need to for example plan mm. you know and uh, and obviously having a project plan having a formal project plan for example is a is key to a project management success yeah. so um but they can't see it because they've always done it in a certain way but they don't realize that you know, um, the industry has moved on and things yeah. can be done more efficiently. And uh, as a result, they don't know what they don't know and uh, and they don't secure those higher levels of project profitability. Yeah. And I'm assuming, I mean, there's also a point probably where you can go the other way and you can over, you can use the systems Absolutely. too much and go a Absolutely. bit too overboard. You have to kind of find that balance. Absolutely. I think, I think that the procedures and the systems are there to help you Yep. They shouldn't be there to hinder your progress. But obviously, yeah. the systems are there as your risk management strategies. So those systems have been carefully prepared, if you, hopefully, and uh, they've been put in place for uh, each project to be uh, successful. So not following them is, is bad, but also yeah. uh, overdoing the procedures also can hinder the progress of the project. Yeah, as well. I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, and so why do they call you the project management doctor? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. some, uh, some of my colleagues and associates sort of uh, sometimes refer to me as a project management doctor because I <laughs> spend time with uh, business owners and business uh, leadership to yep. uh, do a health check of their project management procedures and, a, uh, of, and their project management team's skill set as you mentioned, softer skills as well as their technical skills just yep. to see if they are sort of, um, if they have everything in place to uh, have their products be very, very successful. So, and once I've done that sort of health check, I, I come up with a prescription or a solution for their, uh, for their, uh, for their uh, situation. And, uh, and they're usually custom made solutions. Right. And, yep. and then we go ahead and actually implement those and hopefully uh, we'll have a very successful business. Oh, and do you get involved post <clears throat> the, you know, the audit and help them actually in the implementation phase, or are you more just consult and then move on? No, no, no. I, I stay with them. My my kind of work is very um, um, assignment driven. Right. Uh, so I I definitely want to make sure that this works. Uh, I'm not just there just to sort of give some advice and walk away. I, I stay with the clients even after the implementation. Once the new things have been rolled out, we, nice. I stay on to mentor, coach, hold their hands until it becomes second nature to them. So once once it becomes second nature to them and they've got somebody to replace me doing what I was doing for them after I leave, then that's the time for me to leave. But I tend to stay on until they need, until they it's become second nature to them. Yeah. Gotcha. And then as, as I can imagine, you know, a lot of your work would be engineering infrastructure focused, but you probably work in other sectors as well. Yeah. I, yeah. I think engineering is, uh, I think project management in the construction or engineering industry is 
pretty much the same. You know, the processes are the same. The mindset is the same. What you, yes, I mean, you may be an architect working in an architectural firm. Yes, you design things differently to somebody who designs a road. But ultimately, the procedures you have to follow to deliver those projects are very similar. So the systems that you have to put in place yeah. will be of similar nature. But this is why I always say I'm making custom made as well. So I start with the the uh, the general approach, and then we dig deeper and we make it uh, make sure that uh, the system is such that that it sort of fits in with the business culture of the leadership that I'm trying to support. Perfect. No, I love it. Love it. So let's get into some details because I mean I <clears> want to <throat> be able to give as much um, insight and advice and tips and strategies for people out there that might need some help in this area, and. You know, I'd love to be able to give people some keys or strategies for project management, things to think about, and things that they can maybe take away or adapt even in their life or other projects that aren't necessarily centric to engineering or whatever. But maybe give us a little bit of a rundown as to your, you know, your top so many things to yeah. think about when it comes to project management. That's a good question. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think some of the things I'm going to mention, I've got... Uh, they can be applicable to any industry or any type of work, but some of them are specific maybe to engineering. Yeah. Uh, first thing I would say is before, once you get invited to bid or quote for a job or to, to, to tender for a job, uh, before you start writing your proposal or writing your quote, uh, before you start spending time doing that, um, Make sure this is the right client for you. Make sure you vet the client and you vet the project. Is this the right client? Do you really want to work with this client? Is this client a good payer or a bad payer? Difficult to work with or, or not? Uh, is this project in the right industry for you? Can you do everything that this project requires you to do? Do you have a fair chance of winning this work or are you competing against 50 other people uh, so do you really want to go down that route, you know? So before you put the uh, pen to paper, or in these days, start typing on the computer your proposal, uh, make sure this is the right one for you and you have a good chance of winning it and you're going to make money on it, or at least the right the right level of uh, uh, profit on it. So that's the I first thing. I, love I really love that, um, that point because I think that's so relevant to all all of us and everything we do, you know, it doesn't have to be relevant to just project management. A lot of us tend to take on work just because, ah, oh, sounds like a new client, sounds like a good job. But then we realize down the track, it becomes much more headaches than, it, than we initially thought, or it's just not in our area of expertise or we can't deliver properly. So I think that's really good advice that's for great. everybody to really think yeah. about, to qualify everything we do because time is precious, time is money. Absolutely. Another one is, for example, as I mentioned earlier, you must have a project plan. Mm -hmm. um, without a project plan, you really are not managing your project because the key task of a project manager is to deliver the plan according to the, so deliver the project according to the project plan. So if you don't have a project plan, then you're not managing. That project plan is actually a formal document, if you like, between you as a project manager and your organization, your bosses and your line managers. That's, I mean, you have a contract with your external client, which is the one that, for example, is going to be paying for the work that you do. Uh, and then you also have a contract with your internal client, 
which is your line manager and your bosses, to make sure you deliver the, the profit and the quality of work that they are expecting you to deliver. You agree that upfront, when you're bidding, you have a project, you, you put together a project plan, and once you win it, you deliver that project plan and you deliver that level of profit. So that is key to the success of any project. Love it. And I can imagine that that's also, in a way, it's another way to say managing expectations as well. Because then anybody can look at that document and say, okay, that's where we're at right now. This is what I should expect. There's no surprises and nobody's in the dark. That's right. And I mean, that would also include your the financial aspect, management of your financial mm. uh, financials as well. I mean, y- your project manager, again, another key to success is the project manager has to have uh, a, a firm grasp or firm understanding of, of uh, the finance, project finances. Well, how do you monitor it? How do you adjust? Uh, because projects change. I've never worked on a project that has not changed. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you need to go back and look at your, project financing, project resourcing, you know, time frame and so on. And you need to, you know, make sure that you have somebody as a project manager who can handle those uh, changes and manage the finances. Nice, nice. Love it. Yeah. And, you know, uh, for example, you know, you uh, because projects change, I've, as I said, I've never worked on a pro- project that has not changed one bit. Whether it's a little change or a big change, there's always... Uh, there are always changes because it involves people. You know, people create change. You know, and, <laughs> and uh, so, so things will never go as originally planned, one hundred percent. So you need to have a system in place that can help you identify variations and changes, so that you can, as quickly as possible, mention that to your client that hey, this is not within my scope of work. You need to know your scope of work very well. You've got to have that very strong clarity on your scope of work. So your project manager has got to know the scope inside out so that as soon as you f- he or she feels the client is deviating from that original scope, yep. then you can just say, hey, I'm happy to do it, but this is going to cost you more yep. and it will actually cost more, uh, will result in have, you know, needing more time as well. So you need to Perfect. ask for an extension of time as well. And this is all applicable not only to engineering firms, but also to any type of project, I think. That you 100%. Do. Yeah. Very relevant. Very relevant. Yeah. And uh, another very important uh, tip is you have to work on creating and leading an engaged workforce. Because without, you know, as you know, uh, our teams are our greatest assets as well as, our, or they could be our biggest liability. So you want to you have a strategy in place that results in you having a, an engaged workforce. And by that, I mean a, a workforce that is committed, committed to the success of your organization, your projects, will be good ambassadors for your firm, that will go the extra mile, bend over backwards, all that stuff, you nice, know, to, nice. to, to make sure that you succeed. But to achieve that, you need to, you need to create an environment within your workplace that the staff or the team feels, uh, the team feels supported, heard, appreciated, recognized, and so on. So they receive the continuous inspiration. You can have an inspiring leader, but that is that doesn't take you very far. You need to create that environment that is constantly nourishing or 
creating and sustaining that um, engaged environment so that they have a sense of ownership of, of that success. And, you know, and, and that usually happens when you care about your staff, because when you care about what, what they care about, then they care about what you want to achieve. Yeah, I, I, I particularly love that because I think it's so important. But my question is, to you is, what happens when you are, you know, you're brought on to start working with a particular client on a particular assignment and they might have a terrible working culture and a very disengaged um, workplace. How do you put that on track fast enough to make sure that the project succeeds? Talking about the client itself. Yes. How do you help them on that journey? Well, I suppose, are you talking about the client that is that I, my client? Yes. Or you mean the client of client of a of an engineering firm? Oh no! So say you're going to engage with a particular client on a project, and you identify possibly through your meetings and your conversations that you know their um, culture and their it's not that supportive or it's not that engaging, and you you know there might be some issues that arise because of that. Is there a way? How do you how do you help that organisation to really put that in place so that the project can succeed? Right. Well, first of all, as I mentioned earlier, the first tip is vet the client you want to work with. Yeah, good point. <laughs> so so, so uh, love it, love if, 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 uh, if the client is an, is an awkward client to work with or a difficult client to work with, then you have to think, well, can I really, can I really, do I have the time for this? Or yeah. Do I really want to make the time for this? Yeah. And can we really uh, deliver this? Yeah. And can we deliver this? Can we really work in that particular environment? Do we want to work in that environment? I like it. So that's the first thing. But once you... Uh, you know where you're at with the with the client in terms of their their culture. Yes, I mean you. If you feel that you that the client is willing to learn, is is open to. I mean, they, you have so many clients who know that they don't have the right culture in place, but they're happy to learn. They're happy to uh, to be to be told uh, what what needs to be done. Yeah. Um, but then you have clients who obviously have a terrible work environment, but they. Are not willing to change <clears throat> so if the, if it's a client that's not willing to change it's very difficult to work with them but if it but if they're willing to uh to uh, to uh, adopt new strategies then you can you can do a lot by by upskilling their staff and up, even upskilling the the leadership itself to yep. to show more for example one of the things that we are we do tell our clients is that um sits with your staff go to their desks and actually sit with them find out you know where they live and and about their life challenges about their families and so on get to know them because nice. one, once you create that relationship uh, you can get better you know you can get better results from that you know uh, in your projects as well so that caring attitude must come through uh, so 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 this is what we typically work on, but but they are they have to be willing to, they have to want it. Uh, you know, we have great ways of of training and coaching and mentoring uh, the leadership, uh, but if they are not open to it, uh, you can't force them. So they have to be open to it. So you have to be upfront if you feel that this 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 isn't uh, working, uh, or if this isn't for you. Then first of all, don't bid for it. But once you if you get surprised, then you just got to live through it and uh, try and implement little changes 
yeah. to make it uh, uh, livable, <laughs> workable until you, you finish. And then at least you've learned something new that you don't want to work with this client again. <laughs> <laughs> very true. I mean, I love it. I think it's so, so um, logical and makes very, very good sense. Um, yeah. Any other tips that you want to share with us? Yeah, I mean, be a great closer or be a closer. And by that, I mean, is that uh, especially in the engineering, uh, maybe this is applicable to other industries as well, is that um, when we get to, let us say, to 95% finished, when we think the job is almost done, we've broken the back of it, if you like, we typically get attracted to other shiny objects. Mm -hmm. And we run after those, or maybe we have more than one project, we have 10 projects, and those become the center of attention and this particular job that is 95% finished is gets sort of um, ignored or yeah, goes on the back burner. Yeah. And as a result, what, what you find is that um, um, clients and staff give themselves permission to continue working on those and asking questions and, you know, tr spending a few hours here, there, you know, on this particular project. And as a result, erode your project's profitability. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, if the job is finished and you think there's no more to be done, there's a process to go through for project closure. And at the end, you celebrate, of course. Nice. Uh, but you have to go and see the client to make sure they're happy with uh, your performance or if there are two things that they could tell you that you could improve on and you can do better in the next job. And also, you have to give feedback to your staff as to their performance and also do a lessons learned uh, for the job, for the project as well, so that you can pass on that lesson, those lessons to the uh, other team so that they can, you know, uh, learn from those uh, mistakes or at least inefficiencies. Uh, so you do, you go through that process. And if you've received all your invoices, you've been, your invoices have been paid. And if you've paid all your invoices and you've met all your contractual obligations, close it down and yeah. celebrate so that nobody else can come back and say, you know something, I had a question about this project. What about this? What about that? And then the yeah. staff feel obliged that they've got to go and chase something and spend a few hours to it and book time to that project. And as a result, keep eroding that project's profitability. So right. be well, a good closer. Right. And so would you say that a lot of people in the industry don't do that well? No, really? especially in engineering, no. Uh, in the legal firm, in, I mean, legal firms, I, I was speaking to a lawyer recently that, uh, that it's not a big problem uh, in, in their field. But in engineering, absolutely. You find projects are, uh, especially engineering design firms, uh, you know, and they leave it open because, you know, um, uh, they get attracted to other projects and uh, it might take them six months to a year to close something down. Wow. Uh, and and as a result, you know, slowly but surely, people book time to that project and erode that project's profitability. Yeah, so that makes perfect sense. Yeah, may, maybe in construction is a bit better, but definitely in consulting, where the people design things, because after design, there may be a construction phase that they may or may not be involved in. Yep. They they don't close them down quick enough. Wow. Okay. No, I love it. I think that's fascinating. Um, all right. Excellent. So I mean, that's, all, that's all my tips for you today. <laughs> great tips. And I think all those tips can really be used in many industries and can even be used in our personal projects. Absolutely. You know, for sure. I love it. Um, now, I always love a good story, Maureen. <clears throat> so I'm just wondering if you have any great case studies or stories, without mentioning any names, of course, yeah. um, of projects that you got involved with, possibly a project that was derailing 
or derailed yes. and you you saved it and walk us through how you know that story because you know that'd be yeah. really helpful to hear yeah first of all i must say that no one person uh, rescues things on their own it's all yeah. team effort so if i ever give the impression that i've done something uh, I, I actually mean that me and my team or maybe nice. me and a few others but uh it's always easy to say I did this or we did this. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's so it, you have to appreciate that it's team efforts. Yes. But once I was working for a, a multinational engineering firm and, um, and um, the project director on a particular multi, uh, program, $18 billion program, wow. the capital B, the project director had been fired because he wasn't... Um, getting on with the client and he wasn't getting on with the client's program management team right and because he he felt that they were asking for uh, too much and this the scope was creeping a lot and mm -hmm. he wasn't willing to budge and they weren't willing to accept the fact that these are additional work for him so um he was fired and we were told okay you need to step in and actually uh, put that back on track. Now this is a uh, this is a ten year project that has run oh. about eight year nine years of it. So, so there was a lot of history there, <laughs> which I was partially familiar with, but not a lot. So I was sort of parachuted in to help the vice president of operations, who was also brought in to put it back on track. And uh, so okay, what was the biggest problem? The biggest problem is the relationship with the client. And, and also the relationship with the team or the team itself, our, our team. So yes, you could go to the client and just say, we'll do better. We've sort of, yes, you fired this project director. Now we have a new team in place, new project director in place, but they are not gonna buy that until they see something. Yeah. So we had to look at the team, um, had to see who was not going to change and who were the bad, no, the bad apples, if, if I could call them that. Yeah move them to other projects um, and bring in new people in who don't have this baggage of this project and uh, so that they could so they, they don't have this long history of animosity <laughs> so uh, so <clears throat> so once we had the team in place that was sort of rare and willing to uh, work with the client uh, we went to the client and said look now we have a new team uh, we're not here to get contractual with you. I know we were getting very confrontational, very contractual on both sides, but let's fix it for now. We'll, we will look at the contractual aspects uh, after we've sort of gone past the, once we fixed our relationship in, in a sense. So um, they wouldn't believe it. They kept complaining about things that, you know, that this, this is what he or she did a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. And I said this and he said that and oh God, we don't want to get into this kind of thing. We want to get it done. So uh, without telling me two hours of history of the project, can what do you need me to do? You know, so let's talk about what can be done. Yeah. So once they saw that we were not getting uh, super contractual and once we were, they could see that, they, that we are go-getters and we want to get things done, and they were getting things done, the money started to flow. They were paying our invoices slowly, we rebuilt that relationship a bit. They could see, yes. okay, we're still not pushovers. We're not going to give into anything just for just just to please them. Uh, but still, you know, at least they could see that we, we had a logic for what we were saying, and we were 
trying to get things moving. We are not being, uh, we're not being, uh, we're not obstructing things. Yeah. So once that was done, uh, the client started sort of being a bit kinder to us, <laughs> a bit uh, paying for things and so on. And the team started to feel happier as well because obviously now things are moving. We're moving past that major problem. Uh, so yeah, gradually we managed to uh, put things back on track. Obviously there, there were thousands of issues to go through, tech and technical issues. But those little technical issues uh, could not be solved because of the bad, you know, the, the bad relationship nice, uh, nice, nice. So, so once we fix the relationship <clears throat> through action then we were able to uh, get all those uh, those uh, issues resolved and move beyond the problems and uh, put it back on track which then it became a very difficult but normal project <laughs> Nice, nice. Love yeah. it. Sounds great. And uh, and obviously at the end, everything worked out well and everybody was happy and finally the project was delivered. Yes, absolutely. Well done. Well done. Love it. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, so, Moen, maybe let us give us a bit more information into how to find you and work with you, you know, for the audience out there that might be interested in learning more. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, people can write to me. Um, my email address is... Uh, M for Moin, and then Varai, my surname, M Varai, at globalempoweringsolutions.com.au. That's my email address. You're more than welcome to write to me uh, with anything that you wish to discuss with regards to project management. You can go on LinkedIn and find, look me up and send a connection request, and then we can start the conversation that way if that's easier for you. Good. Or you could go to my website, globalempoweringsolutions.com.au. Uh, and actually, there's a contact us a form which you can fill in and actually get in touch with me. But typically, I, I as I mentioned earlier, I'm, I help engineering firms or I help um, organizations thrive. My aim isn't just to offer a piece of training and just be done with it. My aim is to make sure that uh, if your aim is to, for example, double your revenue or double your profitability or you want to grow in terms of numbers or you want to secure new projects and then need to get in touch with me because I come up with a custom made tra a training program and custom made solutions for those projects. It doesn't have to be training. It can be um, writing your new procedures or helping you come up with a new business plan. I've recently been talking to a, a, a builder who wants to um, you know, increase their revenue by, uh, I want a number of times, but it's a scary number yeah. <laughs> and uh, multiple times. And uh, we're trying to come up with solutions as to how this particular builder can achieve that over the next six years. So, yeah. Fantastic. Love it. That sounds fascinating. Well done. Well, Moen, yeah. I really appreciate all <clears throat> your fantastic advice, insights, strategies. Oh. Uh, it's been fascinating to listen to. And, you know, I've learned a lot. And I hope oh, the audience has really you. learned a lot as well that they can adapt even in their own lives and some of their own personal projects um, as well as any uh, professional projects. Um, so I thought before we finish up, I always like to give my guest, you know, the last say. Is there anything else that you would like to add or any parting words, part, parting wisdom? Yeah, I think that, the thank you for thank you for giving me the opportunity to be here with you today, first of all. Yeah, and uh, and. Uh, I would like to say that, you know, every person, uh, I'm going to use a metaphor here now, is a mind rich in valuable gems. 
So you have those gems in you. There's a mine in you. And it's only through education that these uh, gems can be accessed or polished or refined and used. So be inquisitive, be open to learning. I don't believe that there's been anybody who can say that they've any successful business person or professional I can say that I've reached to this particular position uh, without the help of others. They've always needed mentors, uh, coaches, and they needed to have that uh, um, training, needed to get to where they want to get. So um, I would say adopt a posture of learning um, in your life. Uh, it's, uh, I know sometimes we feel that if I adopt that kind of posture, it looks as if I don't know everything. And, and in the industry, I need to know everything. But that's not true because there's always something new to be learned. So adopt the posture of learning. Be open to learning. So true. It's a, it's a long, it's a lifetime journey in many respects. 100%. It is. It is. I love it. Absolutely. Well Absolutely. Well done. Well done. Great advice. Well, Moen, uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. It's been a fascinating discussion. I've really enjoyed it. And um, hopefully... We might see you again to do another episode at some point. Why not? Let's do um, it. Awesome. But uh, everybody out there, I hope you've had a great one. Enjoy the day and we'll see you very, very soon for another episode. Bye for now. Thanks again, Moen. Thanks for having me. Bye for now.